In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute salute you. you. Guys, we honor you today. For grinding it out in the stress bubble of life, also known as the arena. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to manhood. Our goal from every episode is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless, male-dominated bleachers, and to call you up to become the best version of you, because when a man gets it. Everyone wins. Hey, as you know, I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with... The deep baritone. Are you a baritone? Or are you a vase? What are you? Yep. Yep. To what? What I am. Baritone. Barit- Sounds baritone. Sound good. Dale Culver, the backbone of the Man Card Podcast. How you doing, my man? Wow. Oh. I went a little redneck on you. Did you hear that? Nice. My old old redneck accent. Yeah. Back. Red, man Card Podcast. I like it, man. That's I used to great. Talk, I used to talk like that a little bit. That's good. Yeah, then I got married. My wife said, Heck "Stop no. it. That get off. Get the Wranglers off." You're not funny and anymore. Put the jeans on and stop talking like a redneck. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You can never take the redneck out of the man. That's right. You yeah. still live in the trailer. Oh, you know it. Inside. Duct tape, crescent wrench, and mm-hmm. a hammer will fix everything. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what all my buddies tell me who fix my stuff. That's right. <laughs> so, you got a man word for me today? Oh, I'm going to get, try okay, to guess it. Okay, do it. Now, I guessed our one yeah, wh- come on, warrior. Baby. Okay, Just hold hit me, on a hit second. Me, hit me. Now, based on our guest today, uh-huh. I'm going to go with the come word. Come on now. Come on now. Oh, man, come I'm on. stumped here. Persevere. Oh, gosh. I was going to say never quit, but that's I two words. we did persevere once, so I'm going with motivator. Oh, dang motivator. it. Motivator. Okay, so why so why would you pick that word? I understand that word for our guest. Yeah. But why would you pick that word uh, as a man word? <laughs> as when you have kids, you gotta motivate them to do anything. Oh, that's pretty true. <laughs> that's pretty true. And sometimes you gotta motivate your wife to uh wanna snuggle. And so 
if you know what I mean. Not really, no. no, no, no my no. wife is perfect. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, getting people to rise up and uh, live into their uh, best uh, version of them, sometimes you got to help motivate people. Well, I don't think any of us step into our best version on our, on our own. We all need a team of people to help us, right. right? We all need people around us to call out the best version. And quite frankly, a lot of times I want to be a whiny little baby. I want to crawl up in the fetal position, suck my thumb and cry for my mommy. I need people during that time to get me off my butt and get me going. And uh, instead of sitting there whining about uh, stuff or feeling under the weather or whatever. So, no, I like that motivator. So motivator. that's really good, man. So here right. we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag about today's guest. And I want to start off our show a little bit differently. So, men in the arena, what would you do if you woke up on your 18th birthday and were told that you would never walk again or learn that you would no longer feed or dress yourself and your only movement would be from your neck up? That's exactly what happened to today's guest, Ron Hagee, when he broke his neck in a surfing accident in 1980. Ron's amazing story is one of courage, strength, and true inspiration and motivation in spite of his total paralysis from the neck down he chose to get better rather than bitter and live a life of purpose and passion with his humor and real life experiences ron teaches people of all ages how to turn adversity into opportunity and to live the abundant life his message will inspire and change the lives of those in the audience i'll tell you what i pulled that off your website ron and and just uh just talking to you before the podcast, I want to go get a cup of coffee and hang out because I think that we would get into a lot of trouble. <laughs> I think so. So, hey, man, thanks so much for coming on our show, man. I've got, I see uh, our guys can't see you right now, but you've got the flannel, rocking the flannel, living in Albany, Oregon. It is flannel season, baby. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. What do they Good say? Stuff. What do they say in Oregon? That there are two seasons winter and construction. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I mean, the West Coast is getting populated. Well, I mean, you think about being in a hurricane or something, I'd I'd much rather live here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, hey, so Ron Ron is, uh, just so you guys know, Ron is 56 years old. He lives in Albany, Oregon. He's a motivational speaker and mouth painter, and he's been doing that over 30 years. He's authored the book uh, Never Give Up, an autobiography of his life story. And under accomplishments, accolades, he's most proudest of. He's got a master's degree in social work from San Diego State University, founded a fully wheelchair accessible camp for kids who live with disabilities so they can get outdoors. These are paved trails and log cabins. Uh, he drove his car in the desert with the use of his teeth only by the youth, thanks to the Quad Squad. Is that the name of the, the vehicle? The group that put the electronics together. In this uh, '68 Firebird. <laughs> okay, so that now that now the one the video on the racetrack that is that the same car? That's the same car, but on the racetrack at the Portland International Raceway, you know, um, that was kind of my first drive, and so I was only get, <laughs> able to get it up to about 50 miles an hour using my teeth, and uh, my goal was for hope to the wounded warriors. And I needed to do 100. So that was the goal. So we went out in the desert, the Alroy Desert up by the Steen Mountains. Yep. Yeah. Well, there's a flat lake there. And it was there that, uh, boy, I was scared to death. Though. 100 miles an hour is pretty fast. I'm used to going like three miles an hour with my chin-controlled chair. 
So yeah, so hundred miles an hour with using your teeth to drive yeah, this vehicle. There's a, there's a little video. I think even if they typed up Hope Rod, but on the website you can see how it was pulled off. I actually gave a speech to a school in down in Arizona, a bunch of kids, high school kids, about two thousand. And a guy was sitting on the audience, and he was not a young guy. He was in his chair, and I, so I, I went to leave, and this guy drives up in a van. And he's in the driver's side, and I said, "Hey, man, how are you driving that as a quad?" So I looked over inside there, and he had a joystick in the console, like a little, you know, play a game joystick, and he was driving that whole van with that joystick, and I said. Has anybody ever did it with their face? Because he had a little bit of movement of his arms. You're a quadriplegic if four limbs are affected by paralysis. So he goes, okay. yeah, yeah, you could probably do it, but you'd have to get it mounted up in front of your face, and this system uh, costs $90,000. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and so I thought twice. Well, I mean, I like fast, and I... You know, I was 18 when I got hurt, so I did drive. I tore the tranny out of my dad's cow. I mean, I drove hard. That's probably why, well, pretty much why I'm in a chair, because eventually the man goes down. It's not careful, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the idea of driving again was just thrilling. So we, a, a group of guys out of Vancouver, Washington, Portland, Oregon, just said, hey, you want to drive again? We'll figure it out. We'll put it together. We're a bunch of techie guys. And that was the quad squad. That is cool. So, bottom line is I did do it. I was scared to death, but I did do it. I figured I'm just going to put my chin to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> the chindle to the metal. <laughs> I did. Chin control to the metal. And I, I, I uh, it sounded great. The thing was all, you know, but the, the guy that did it before me could get it up to 105 with his hands. So, and I was pushing it because the desert out there slows you down. So I pushed her down and we got her up to about 90. And I, that thing was breaking up, Scotty, she's breaking up and I had to let it <laughs> down. And then it's like, oh, dude, one more time. And I just held it down hard and uh, I was running out of track and I'm like, no way am I not going to make it this time. So I got it up to 100 miles an hour, and I shut her down, and I drifted off the track. Well, I, wow. So we was, did it. We did it. So that, so that, that, that's my question. So you're using your chin to drive this thing. It seems like your margin of error is tiny. Like you could spin oh. out and just flip that sucker. Totally, and you know, if you're uh, quadriplegic, you get muscle spasms. It kind of you know, it shakes your body around. It's it doesn't hurt me, but it looks real odd. You know, you're flopping around. You can't stop them like they're real legit. But if you're driving a car with a chin control and you get a muscle spasm in your shoulder and it jerks your head to the left, guess what? You're going to turn hardcore to the left. So any kind of movement will trigger a spasm. So you're driving 100 miles an hour. I think that's movement. <laughs> That is a true story. Well, hey, in your bio, you say you're the proud father of two daughters, uh, that you weren't supposed to have any children of your own, and you were blessed with your oldest daughter, R Ronnie, who's now at Grand Canyon University, 
And then you had a biological daughter, Gracie, and she's now five years old? No, she is 13 going on 20. Oh, wait. No, I see this. It was five years after, so she's 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. My bad. So that's really, really impressive. And that you're a student mouth painter with the world known organization called Mouth and Foot Painters Association. So what does that mean that you're a student mouth painter? Well, when I got hurt, I was sitting around bored one day. My mom says, hey, Ronnie, why don't you learn to paint? And I said, that's rude, Mom. When you want me to paint the house, you know I can't use my arms. Paint the fence. She goes, she goes I read this book about Johnny, Erickson, Tata. Yep. And she, she paints with her teeth. And I said, well, that's Johnny, and I'm Ronnie, and I'm not painting pictures. Because I'm a football player. He goes, well, you're, you're not going to play football anymore. I said, why would you say that? You might as well paint, do something with yourself. I'm going to put a paintbrush in your teeth. I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not an artist. And she goes, well, then I'm not feeding you. And I went, I'll paint. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't stop the food, right? I don't care who you are. Anyway, she, she was just... just she was just joking, but uh, she did set me up, and I dabbed my brush from my teeth into the paint that she put close to my uh, my face. I actually got everything really close to my face. I slapped my canvas around a little bit, kind of like, oh, see, I can't paint. And uh, then I realized, wow, this is like something I can totally do on my own without the assistance of others. And I can create something beautiful, independent. And independence, that little bit of independence right there just opened up my world. And uh, I could sit by myself and do something and uh, create something beautiful. So I learned to paint and never had a lesson prior to my accident. And they can go on my website see that at rollonron.com. But, you know, I got... But thinking I was pretty good at it. And I started selling a few pieces while I, I speak. I go speak and do a business meeting, sell some pieces of my artwork. And then someone told me about this mouth and foot painters deal. And I entered into that. And uh, they accepted me as a student. And I'm like, wow, I'm not very good, I guess. But that's where everybody goes. They started as a student. Okay. And it's a beautiful organization. It was started... 50 years ago, there was an old movie called My Left Foot, really good movie, and uh, that was about a kid who had cerebral palsy, and he could use only his left foot, and he did everything with that, learned to write, and so it was back then that they started an organization, and not for charity, but for those that were legit artists, paint with their teeth or their feet, and that's, there's about 800 of us worldwide. And so is that is that one of the ways you bring in an income? It is. It, it helps me and my, my family. And I mean, think about being a quadriplegic for a minute. That requires 24-hour care. I can't be alone too long. I, I can't scratch an itch. I can't swat a bug off my face. You know, I can't feed myself or get a drink of water unless I'm set up properly, you know, with yeah. straws and, you know, maybe a beer hat. You know, those beer hats are kind of cool. Because you can suck, suck. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, it's expensive. I got these. You know, people don't want to 
pick your nose for free, right? So yeah, that's it costs true. about eight thousand dollars a month just to be get my basic biological necessities met. And so and, you you, uh, have, you said you had five full time five nurses there full time on different yeah, occasions. Yeah, five 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 like three of them are full time, but just uh, just around the clock, you know, just to keep my body going and uh, God bless them. You know, I've been alive now in this chair for uh, 38 years that's a long time and people say well how do you do it and i'm like one day at a time one day at a time well you've and you've got and you bring to the table a never quit attitude i mean that's your one of your main messages to students correct yes it is well the main message is i woke up this morning brushing my teeth no i didn't do that i woke up this morning and somebody (laughs) else brushed my teeth, combed my hair, shaved my face, fed me my breakfast, put me in my chair, strapped me down. I said, but I decided that life was good. How in the world can I do that? That's because I'm the master of only one thing in my life, and that's my attitude. And if I could get a positive attitude and not look down at my problems, but look up, I see people. I I see God. I see creation. And uh, that keeps me going. Wow, that's, I mean, I can't even imagine being in your shoes. Uh, it's just, uh, and to hear your story, I, I'm excited to hear more of your story. But before we hear your story, we're going to throw you into the rapid fire round. So uh, I think you can handle this, Ron. I think I think you can handle this better than most. So Is this like the lion's den kind of a deal? It's, wor- it's, in the pit? it's worse. It's way worse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Bring what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do I'm gonna tell you what it is Ron what I do is I, I'm gonna I, I've chose I have different rapid fire rounds and for you I've chose use a word in a sentence round and what I'll do is I'll just throw a word to you and I want you to use it in a sentence and I've picked words that I think that you'll resonate with and just it's a, a way of getting our readers our listeners to get to know you better and it's a, a way for you to loosen up a little bit here and as we get into our interview questions so here's the first word life. Life is good if you know the questions before somebody gives them to you. Oh, hold on. I got to write that down. Life. Say that again. <laughs> you know what? No, 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 no. <laughs> Just explain it so I don't have to write it down. Life is good if you know the questions before someone gives it to you. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. That was a joke. It Anyways. was a joke. That went right <laughs> over your head. Yeah, I, I, oh, somebody man. got it. I don't I, know. Maybe somebody out there got I it. I thought you said know play. the answers. I thought it was you, hilarious because Jim's going, oh, that's so good. Me. Well, I, I thought you meant answers. I'm like, gee, oh my, yeah. I thought He's like, oh, this is gonna be a bad interview. I can tell. And I just wrote the word down. Life is good if you know the questions. Oh, and I went, oh, that <laughs> son of a gun. Oh, I'm that's sorry. good. Way we'll cut this one. part out of the interview. The no, part where I mocked. No, 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 no we're keeping that one. <laughs> you re- oh my repeat god. Repeat the question, please. Yeah, it's you just, answered it. That was great. You. Uh, <laughs> So use a word in a sentence. The word I don't think is, I could get any better than that. The word is life. <laughs> life is an attitude. Oh, that's that's even better than good. <laughs> and that one actually was a serious answer. Life is an attitude. Next question or next word. Trials. Uh, trials and temptations are not the same thing. And it's necessary for us to overcome trials with the love of god in our hearts 
Oh, that's that's rich, man. Okay, here's a word that I this one here of all the words I thought this one is your word, and it's the word quit. Quitting is not an option. Exactly. Uh, how about this word? And I think that just watching uh, some of the things you've done in your life, the word is adventure. Without an adventure, there is no hope. Wow. Our hope comes from living the adventure. Our hope comes from daring mighty things. That sounds like Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, it makes us feel alive. If you know, the biggest thing that I see people do is sit around moping about their problems and their past. And I'm seeing the rest of the universe kind of moving forward all the time. And we're kind of missing the boat. Well, it's a matter of perspective, right? I mean, you, you've got a perspective that nobody else, ha- that very few have. And so when I'm able to get up, you said, you know, if I'm able to get up and walk to the refrigerator, you would say, hey, that's a good day. Oh, that's a good day. You know, and so <clears throat> how about this last word, man? Risk. Oh, boy, risk. You know, if I think... Th- I would say I would fear to take a risk because I might fail. But if I don't fail, then I'll never know if I'll succeed. Success is a series of failures. So, yeah, you got to have risk. There's a lot of risk. I mean, to, 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 to... to take on being a father, was a, you know, that's a huge risk yeah. for me. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Well, yeah, to risk and to fail are part of success. They're part of life. They're part of, I, I would say they're part of being fully alive. You can live a life of comfort and no risk, but I don't think that guy's ever fully alive. Well, it sounds really boring. I, I just, I think we were made to live life abundantly yeah and, and that's taking a risk you step into your car you're you're taking a risk you know a lot of people like the comfort zone but it's not motivating and it makes you it makes you fat yeah yeah well hey let's do this ron let's uh let's talk about your life let's hear from you your personal story i think our listeners would love to hear about the surf accident and and what you know, what preceded that, and and how you've, what the process is after that, and how you move beyond this tragedy in your life to become this man of high impact, high risk, high value, high abundance. So, why don't you uh, share a little bit about your life? Well, what you just said there, I mean, I ask my daughter; she give you the truth. I guess what she thinks about her dad, but, <laughs> but uh, you know it. Here, here's kind of wrapping it up and what happened here recently for me. I got the opportunity to speak in front of my daughter's school. She's in junior high. This is Gracie. And, you know, my mom, when I got hurt, and I, as soon as I got out of my bed healthy enough to, to go somewhere in a chair uh, after, well, I was 18, so we, we got around in the hospital, and I said, let's go someplace happy. Let's go to the baby department so I can see some, you know, some life 
And uh, so we go there, and I, my mom's standing beside me, and uh, I'm looking at these babies in there, a little pink and blues, and and I, and I I start crying. My mom goes, "What's the matter?" And I go, "I'm just never going to be able to be a father now because I've lost it all." Mm. And she goes, "Don't you stop believing? You don't. Hey, God can do amazing things." Just think of old Abraham, you know, and, you know, and so here I was this last year doing a speech at my daughter's junior high, and uh, I, I asked her before, I said, can I, can I, can I say it, that I have a daughter here? She goes, yeah. I said, can I mention your name? She goes, uh, no. <laughs> so why not? She goes, Dad, I don't want to know 900 students. And true, I, true. I don't want to have that pressure, Dad. And I said, so I can't name, I can say I have a daughter. Can I tell, you, tell them what grade you're in? No, that would even, Dad, just say you have a daughter. Well, okay, I will. She goes, you promise you're not going to like mention my name and embarrass me? So I get up there and I'm speaking and I just moved. These guys are listening. And I say, back in 1980, I went down to Southern California surfing. And, you know, it was one of those perfect days. You step out of the car in the sand, wiggle your toes. You look across the car, the breeze blowing against your body. You're seeing the beach and the sunshine and blue seagulls and just people and happiness. And you say to yourself at 18 years old, uh, three, you know, lift, lifting 300 pounds of weight just the day before, pumping the iron, six foot two, that uh, life is good. I had no idea what was about to happen to me. And I, moments later, surf, wiped out as blast. We lay in the sun, my brother and I. And uh, my little brother was 13. And uh, it was the day before my 18th birthday. And I said, bro, I'm hot. I'm going to cool my body. He was, Lay it on his towel. He weighed about 110 pounds. He was laying there and wasn't even watching me. I walked for the last time, and I stood there, and the water came up around my ankles. It was kind of cold. So I said, well, I'm just going to go for it. The wave's approaching me. So I just ran towards the wave. I'd done it before, and I dove into the base of this oncoming shore breaker, a pretty big wave, and I dove a little too late. So I hit the waterfall. And he shoved my head to the bottom, oh. and there was a sandbar right there, right underneath the surface. It was like I hit the ground straight on, and then my body flipped over the top of me, pushed my head back into my shoulder blades. Oh. And I heard a, <clears throat> and uh, everything shut off. It was like a light switch, and my body wouldn't move. I tried so hard to move. I've got to move. got could not wiggle my pinky finger and I'm rolling out with the undertow and no one had seen me. I, I had become independent, big macho man, you know, I was going to take care of myself and I'm going to be 18 tomorrow. My freedom just to go live as a man. Right. And now all of a sudden I can't even get my, myself out of the water. Then I began to feel panically but I knew I only had one opportunity, that would be to hold my breath and just pray to God that somebody finds me. So about two minutes into it, I'm hyperventilating. I'm going to breathe in and just drown. 
And I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry I didn't hug my mom goodbye when I left with my bad attitude. And I didn't tell my brother I loved him, God. And then I breathed in, and uh, my head came out of the water, poofs, and I took in the air. And it was Whoa. my little brother. Whoa. My brother saved my life. <clears throat> so he pulls me from the surf, struggling 20 minutes, because I weighed about 200 pounds, and dead body floating is just heavy. And uh, he had no idea I broke my neck. I didn't even know I broke my neck. But he held my head in his arms, and... He's looking at me, and I'm starting to go unconscious because I can't breathe. It paralyzes my lungs. So even now, I have one-third the capacity of my lungs. And so I looked him in the face. I said, "You make sure you give Mom a hug goodbye. Oh. Tell her I'm sorry for being a jerk and my bad attitude and not hugging her. And uh, I said, don't live life like I have, bro. You know, work with people. Be a team player. And uh, I want you to know, Mike, I got to tell you this. I love you. And he's like, oh, you're not going to die. And I'm going to pray. And my little 13-year-old guy just prayed. And I felt peaceful as I passed out. Well, I woke up the next day. And it was my 18th birthday. And I'm in the hospital on life support. Mm-hmm. And a uh, nurse came in. And they basically told me I was going to be a quadriplegic because I, I broke my neck at cer- cervical vertebrae three and four, which is way high. Way high. And they came in, put a tracheotomy <laughs> in my throat, called my parents back in Oregon. My parents flew out. They walked in. My mom, I like wanted my mom to come over and hold me. And uh, she put her arms around me and my heart burst because I could not feel her fingers touch my flesh i can't feel from my neck down either and i just thought this is going to be hard well my parents were very much uh, believers thank god uh the lord found my dad when i was 15 i thought my dad gone weird you know fan mm-hmm. of jesus but that was what sustained us through that whole wow. thing so here i am in there and here's the deal it was hard getting through all that hospitalization and surgeries i clinically died a few times i bleeding stress ulcers blah 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 it's all in my bug but the, when i got home and the you know the excitement of me going home and, and the, you know, i started hearing my family fighting about who's going to feed ron i don't want to feed ron who's going to who's going to take care of Ron? and i don't want to wipe his butt i you guys need to take care of it. And I just thought I am but a burden. Mm. And so I didn't want to die. But I actually went when my dad gave me a shower, he pushed me in there. Of course I can't use my hands. He's scrubbing me down and washing my body. Here's a man. Talk about a stud. My dad'll come over today and stick a suppository up my butt and help me go potty. Whoa. He will do that today when he's seventy eight years old. But he took care of me, and he saved me, and I'm late. I said, I'm going to just sit here in the shower for a minute. And I put my head back, and I said, God, this might be the wrong thing to do. Please forgive me. But I took it all, a mouthful of water, and I breathed it into my lungs. And because I can't cough with no abdominal muscles, I began to choke and 
my dad found me and he revived me and he's holding my head against his big solid chest. My dad played for the Badgers when he was younger. And oh, wow. He could have been drafted. And they, they, back in 62, they went to, you know, they won the championships. And then 62, I was born, and I'm a Ron Hagee Jr. So I felt like I'd failed my father and mm-hmm. football and all that. And he, I said, Dad, I'm, I just can't do this. I'm just a burden to the family. And he told me for the first time, he said, you're a bigger man than I am, son, and you can do this, and I love you. And when he told me he loved me, that was what all I ever worked to hear, straight up. I, I, I didn't want to give up anymore. And I think sometimes dads and sons don't get this connection very often, but it is so empowering have your father tell you straight up, particularly after you did something stupid like try to kill yourself, that he loves you because it it gives you a purpose. You know, that's just, so I changed my bad attitude and it's not been the same. So years later, here I am speaking at my daughter's high school. And I got to the end, and I'm thinking, wow, do these kids even have a clue? You know, I tell the whole story. They're riveted for 45 minutes. But I said, look, you know, I, I, I'm i so happy that I was able to go out there and learn to paint. And I paint beautiful paintings. You can see them over there. And I wrote a book about my life and inspiring others through my book. And that's been in a couple languages. And I've traveled the world. And I've gotten a degree with my mouth stick and all these accomplishments. And I, I dreamed up a camp for disabled kids to go to outdoor camp. And, and you know what? I just need somebody. I want to I want to sign a book and give it to the school. And so since I'm going to do that here at the end, do you guys want to see me sign a book? <laughs> Bring my daughter up. <laughs> I said, I need a volunteer. I really just need a volunteer. And I go, hey, oh, right, hey, you in the green sweater. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you. Uh, give it up for the girl in the green sweater. And so everybody's clapping. And my daughter's looking. <laughs> my daughter's looking at me like, "Dude, you are so dead." <laughs> and I, and her friends are pushing her out there. And I'm like, "All right, come on out." She's walking towards me. She's got long hair. So she's so pretty. And she's trying to put her hair over her face because she's like red, red, and. uh uh, she comes up beside me, and I go, I'm going to tell you, how you doing, huh? I didn't even ask her her name. I said, you must be the prettiest girl in the school. Well, about that time, they're figuring something's weird here. <laughs> and I, I, I held the book. I turned around so they could all see me sign with my teeth. And uh, they all clapped, and then uh, she stood beside me. And I said, I just want you guys to know that years ago, I came real close to committing suicide. And sometimes you guys have those thoughts. I mean, it's about 80% of you have had those thoughts. And life is not easy. But I'll tell you something. If I would have given up my life, there would be two people right here right now that wouldn't be alive. And they got it. And I did not mention her name. And I didn't get in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I didn't lie to you, honey. 
but you know, you're thinking about that going, this wonderful human being would not be here. And wow, would I stop to talk about moving forward with, you know, God and the universe and Man, if you don't move forward, you can be canceling out what God's plan is for you. Yeah. And and I've been through tough times. I've been divorced, right? I've been, man, I've had the man's experiences in life. So that's the story in a nutshell. And it's just so cool to see that all come back around. And here my 14-year-old daughter is actually loving me. It's a cool thing because most people think, Oh, you get disabled. How are you going to be a good dad? Well, it takes your brain and your spirit and your love. Yep. It doesn't take your body. Yep. Hey, Ron, we're going to take a short break here from our sponsor. We're going to come right back in just a second. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called The Men in the Arena. There, you'll lock arms with men from all around the world who are stepping up as their best version. What is a man? What does he do? How does he live? When does he know when he's crossed over from male to man? The lines defining manhood have become blurred, and guys today are more confused than ever. That's why I wrote the man card, five characteristics separating men from boys. Guys, you're going to love this book. Go to the Great Unforgot app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. No book written defines manhood in such a way as this. I'll put the man card next to any book ever written on the topic. Yes, I believe it's that good. In the man card, I expose several myths of manhood and draw a line in the sand between men and males. This book will change your life. Guys, thank you so much for jumping into the arena with us today and championing the greatest battle of our time. Become your best version. Join the fight to change your world because when you get it, everyone wins. So, Ron, you said um, <clears throat> when your father told you he loved you, that was a game changer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about another guy uh, that I've read about whose father told him he loved him, and it was a game changer too. And, and Jesus, early on in his ministry, his father affirmed him. So here's the Lord of the universe. Here's the creator of the universe. And his father says, this is my son who I love. In him I am well pleased. And I think those were the words that launched Jesus into ministry. What what would you what can you say to parents today who 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 maybe struggle, and a lot of guys do struggle with this, telling their sons, oh, sure. telling their daughters they love them. What, what 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 would you say to them? I would say you just have to plan to do it and do it. It's gonna scare you. I remember my dad when he you know, I was actually going through counseling in college. I got my master's in social work. So I'm going through these interpersonal communication classes. And they're like, well, you have anything that you hold against your parents? Because you should probably just go forgive them. And we're like, well, they didn't ask forgiveness. And it's like, no, you just need to go forgive them because you're going to release yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you just make a plan. Well, that seemed easy. But that was the hardest thing for me to do. And sometimes we don't know how to say, I love you to a dude. But my story 
when I was laying in the hospital bed in Portland, Oregon, after rehab, and they just told me I was never going to walk again, and I wouldn't use my arms, and they're going to send me home, I thought to myself, well, God, this is not your love. Mm. And I remember going to bed, and they threw me up in my bed, and I'm crying out loud, and it's midnight, and it's dark in my room. No one's in there. And all of a sudden, I just got mad, and I was blaming God, and I'm mad at God for all of this. And, and it was my choice. God allows things to happen to us. Well, in the midst of my tears and saying, I just don't know if I want to be like this, yelling in the room, I hear a voice say my name. And it scared me because no one came in. And Jimmy over there, eight-year-old boy who didn't want to wear a helmet, uh, crashed his bike and his brain, you know, was damaged. He was in a coma for two weeks. They brought him in to be my roommate. They said he was like a vegetable. He didn't speak. He was all curled up in a fetal position and rocked. And he could hear me. I didn't think he could. And I'm yelling this stuff out, feeling miserable. And he goes, Ron? And I'm like, sniffed up my tears of pity, which that's a good thing to do. And I go, you talking to me, Jimmy? He goes, I love you. Whoa. And I'm like, Matt, you don't love me. You don't even know me, bro. And I'm thinking, he's got nothing to gain. He's eight years old. He wasn't even supposed to talk. And he hears me crying, giving up on myself. He tells me, I love you. And that changed my attitude again. So look at the power. I mean, my life is hard, very, very hard. But because I know in my heart that God loves me, and I make sure I tell my daughters and my friends. I know it sounds weird, dude. You know, <laughs> but I want you to know that I want your beer. I love you. No, I say, I love you. You're a great guy. You're going somewhere. Keep it up. Call me if you need me. And I tell my dad straight up. I practice. And now it's easy. Uh, so prepare a plan and prepare just to do it well my son's been messing up that's the best time to do it oh yeah yeah wow. yeah that's now my heart now my heart's all soft i'm all feeling weird <laughs> Can't, we hate this feeling this is like mushy <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what I think. Uh, <clears throat> I tell guys, to, in fact, I'm giving this talk in two weeks. You know, tell your kids you love them so much it becomes boring for them to hear it. You know what I mean? I love you. My son Darby's living at home. He's 22. He just walked out of the house to go to work this morning at 6.30. See you, son. Love you. Love you, Dad. You know, it's just like boring. It's, you know, but they need to hear it. And we need to show it, but yeah. they also need to hear it. I think it's both. It totally is both. And you know what I've recognized? Uh my brother's good at that, too. My little brother, uh, he had a son and a daughter. They're both growing, too, now. And um, I love my brother, man. My brother's just a man. 
there's one man in my life that I trust, you know, totally, and that's my brother, and I'm thankful that I have that. But his son tells me he loves me, and it's easy for him. And you know why? Because my brother has told him that he loves So you want to make better men? You better start telling your sons you love them. Yeah. Because that helps them say the word. And it makes people feel better. Now, is your whole family, is your family up in Oregon with you now? They move up from San Diego, or are they all down in San Diego? Actually, hey, I've never lived in San Diego. (laughs) I was just, yeah, I... I grew up in Brownsville, Oregon. Big town, Brownsville, yep, Oregon. Yep, yep. There, there's still 550 people there. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I just went down uh, for spring break, you know, spring break trip to California when I broke my neck. And then I went to San Diego to, to college. I went to Christian Heritage College for four years down there. And uh, then I went to San Diego State University and finished up my master's degree. Well, Ron, I think that you've got a PhD in perseverance as well. And so I want to spend the last part of our podcast. I want you, I mean, I want you to do what you do so well, man. I want you to encourage these men in the arena who life has beat them down. Uh, they, they're at various spots. Some, you know, like you said, a lot of these guys may have considered suicide. Maybe their marriage is a mess. Maybe they're unemployed. Maybe their life is a mess. And you, on your website, I saw seven ingredients to rise above your challenge and I just want to walk through these with you and just uh, have you explain each one in the next 20 minutes or so. Would you be willing to do that? Cool. Yeah, so cool. so your number one is perspective. It's how you wrote down how they see themselves in the world around them. What is their attitude? Their posit- is it positive or negative? So what do you want to say about that attitude adjustment and perspective? Well, how do you get a perspective about who you are? I think it's a real good thing to begin in the in the word word kind of tells us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made in psalms 139 and in our days were ordained before they were that means god's not he's not caught off or surprised by the events of your life so just getting the perspective is really important I, i love the fact that that hearing your story you can really speak to our story right because most of the guys that are listening to this podcast are driving with their hands and legs to work. And I think that you are bringing perspective to them like, hey, you know what? I'm doing okay, you know, and uh, I ha- it's I can control my attitude. It's the one thing I can t- control. So the number two thing you have here is purpose. Discover, and you wrote, discover that inner you, the core. What is your mission in life? What uniquely identifies you among others? Well, I believe that God, uh, that we came into this existence by the hand that you work of God. Yeah. I, I think about how big the universe was. The, the other day I'm looking out into space with these cameras online, and I'm thinking, wow, and I get to live here. Think of all the opportunities uh, that we have in this 70-plus short years, mm-hmm. and we're sitting around with the wrong perspective which is our focus, and, and we've forgotten that we are here for a purpose. It just takes one action. Little Jimmy told me he loved me, which changed my attitude, got me out of the hospital. Mm. And now I've spoken to millions of kids' lives because, you know, here's a guy that, you know. So getting that 
just asking God, show me what my purpose is, Lord, and start doing what brings joy to your heart. It's got to be good. It's got to be a good thing that you do, and it brings joy to your heart. I think that's really good, Ron. I mean, a lot of people could say, hey, how do I know my purpose? And I think you just answered it. What brings joy to your heart? And and that, and and it's not a selfish thing. It's a selfless thing. It's a serving thing. But what do you enjoy? And and use that to serve and benefit others. Yeah. No, that's really I appreciate that, man. So number three, you wrote down is passion, which is the fuel that drives purpose. It's energy. It's a it's energized by purpose. Well, have you ever seen anybody passionate about something? It's like it's like they're goofy. It's like they're so they're crazy about this thing, and being around them, you're kind of excited for them, mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. And when that passion begins, it, it's exuberating and it's empowering to other people. And so you'd be surprised if if the passion that you have includes your purpose, and, and the other people around you see that, they're going to help you get it done. Because I, I don't know about the listeners, but I do like to see men succeed yeah, and to do good things. So, yeah, passion. You, you'll know you got it. I mean, look at ball games. <laughs> Some guys are just totally passionate, and, and they're, like, into it. Like, their whole body's spazzing out about it. And they're screaming at the TV. I mean... Wouldn't that be cool if we put that towards something that actually changes the world? Yeah. We've got it. We got the, if you can watch a ball game and get all hyped up, then you can have the ability to have passion towards something. Yeah, I think sometimes our, our passion is, is directed inwardly and it needs to be redirected outwardly. Because I don't think I've ever met a man who's not passionate about something. But it's just it's the problem is is that where that passion is directed you know yeah that's a good point well when i look down and see myself and i get i really get bummed out but then my passion it, you know speaking to schools i don't make any money doing it uh i could be speaking to corporations and doing that sort of gig and so i have i never give up a 501c3 for you know donations to get me into public schools because i see these kids they they were so moved, and my passion is just—it's amazing. Doesn't matter if I'm having a really sick feeling day. If I go out there and I begin speaking, it kicks in, and uh, that's got to be from God, actually. So passion is is kind of like the uh, the energy from God uh, towards a subject that He wants to complete in your life. So, Ron, do you when you had the injury? Did you blame God for doing that, or did you just think you drove in the ocean and a wave hit you? I mean, how did you deal with your relationship with God through the process of this? I mean, I'm just asking because you are you clearly have a passion for God, and it just it, it got me curious. Well, don't get me wrong, man. I am a sinner by a trade. Uh, <laughs> we have the same job. <laughs> yeah, I you know, but, man, I, I just— know that I know that there's a creator. I just, it's, yeah. it's, it's there. And I, I think very clearly about this. 
that he created us with this ability to make some choices. And even though, you know, he could control that, we are one creature here that can make a choice. And ultimately, he wants us to choose him. If I, if I forced somebody to love me, it's, it's sex slave. If, you, you know, God forced us to love him, we would, what would we be? Yeah. And it's got to come from our ability to choose God and not blame God for our stupidity or others. Uh, we are really in a this society today in a blame game. Yeah, yeah. And you can't blame God for something that happened in your life. It's a process. And then you go, wow, if I didn't go through that, this would have never happened. I look at my beautiful daughter, both my daughters. You know, Ronnie, we adopted her. What a great thing that was. I even had a dream. God gave me a dream because we couldn't have kids, you know, and, and uh, this was my first wife. And it ended up not being my problem, uh, you know, fertility-wise. But we, I had a dream about a girl coming up to me after a speech saying, you know, you want to adopt a baby? I, I'm pregnant. And I woke up and I, I said, well, that's how it's going to happen. Well, it didn't happen exactly that way. But a mom came up to me and said, my 15-year-old daughter is pregnant. I said, could you just let her know there's a couple great people that wouldn't mind adopting if she'd like to choose that rather than abortion? Mm. So Ronnie, R-O-N-I, is my adopted daughter from a 16-year-old mother mm. who almost aborted her. And I go, wow, you know, that wouldn't have happened if I would have just gotten all depressed in my life and said, oh, I'll never have my kids. Yeah, yeah, wow. You got to keep the passion strong every day. Ask God for some help in that area. Yeah, that's that's really impressive, man. Well, and, you know, you talk about your relation with God. You talk about this God who created you. He created us, number four, with potential. Which is, and you you wrote down an equation: purpose plus potential, uh, passion equals potential. It's what we're capable of. So speak it to a uh, potential for us. Well, I look at like all these kids in school that I'm speaking to, and I'm thinking to myself: there's so much potential here. These kids could just, if they rose up and believed in themselves, and believed in others, and believed in the Creator. Just think of the things they could do. You look at one man, Einstein. I mean, he had a lot of brain power. But then you look at simple people, you know, that had a dream. I had a dream. You know, and you think, <laughs> wow, what an impact one person can have. And it's not because they knew all their potential, but that they had the right attitude. And they realized they had a purpose. And then it, like, unleashes this potential. You don't know what you can do unless you try it. And, and when these young people, I see them wasting and taking their lives and all that potential. Why? Because they have the wrong attitude. And if you get a negative attitude, it doesn't matter how much potential that that kid has or that you have, because that negative attitude will not allow you to fulfill your potential. Uh, you know, we keep coming back to attitude. I mean, really, it is all about the attitude, right? If we're going to persevere in anything, we need the attitude. And you said something really cool that leads to point number five of your your seven here. 
Uh, and that's if we have a negative attitude, we're gonna we're gonna push away number five, which is people. You know, we're gonna become like those negative people that we hang out with instead of becoming like those positive people. So speak to us about this teamwork makes a dream work, and that we aren't alone. Well, I learned this through having caregivers because it's like. Dude, if you pop a negative attitude, you know, mouthing off and this person leaves, you're not going to bed. So you better learn how. <laughs> yeah. But they say it's on about a uh, gift, uh, horse mouth or something. I don't know. If, if you better take care of the person that's feeding you. So I learned that with the team I have, I survive. Um, so it, it allows me to check my attitude at the door and say, hey, you know what? Let me be interested in this person. Now, I have five ladies. Tell you what, it's hard to adjust every eight hours to a different lady personality. I mean, that, <laughs> that there's going to be an award for that, really. I think so. <laughs> but if you don't have a team, I mean, look at anything in life. A few of you guys do an awesome job. I'm really proud of what guys done in you guys and your your thing here and a little bit of research I, I've, I've done and you know I'm a simple guy you know I talk about a redneck I, I grew up in Brownsville but, you know <laughs> I drove a Ford Pinto around you know with a shotgun in the back I was cool okay I was gonna say the Pinto you're not a redneck the shotgun yes <laughs> <laughs> the Pinto is the redneck version of the Ford F-150 <laughs> no, no, no. there you go but with people, I mean, I had this dream, and I told everybody my dream, and uh, I said, the other night I dreamed of going to this place where it was fully wheelchair accessible, and all these people were cruising around, and kids in red, yellow, black, and white, and disabled were hanging out at this camp, going down by the water and the river and fishing from their wheelchair, and, and nothing was, there was no barriers. No barriers mm. and steps and stairs and no barrier between people, peoples. And they all went to this camp for a week in my mind, and they were learned how to love on each other and become this people thing. And so I said, I got to do this dream. And everybody looked at me, well, you don't have any money. You're speaking to kids. Kids don't write checks. <laughs> I said, well, I have a dream, and uh, you have a dollar. So give me your dollar, <laughs> and I'm going to meet a million people like you. And that'll be a million dollars. So that's basically how it happened. And, and this people and, and this whole team of people, you know, came, rose up and didn't seem like much a dollar, but a million people with a dollar is a lot. Yeah. So camp uh, attitude was was born. Man, and I love it. And it served uh, eight thousand uh, kids and families since two thousand, and uh, it was just a dream. And somebody else said, well, how are you going to do this? You can't swing a hammer. I said, well, you can. So let's go do it. And, and so awesome place. Like, you know, look it up on, I'm not involved with it. I, I built it. That was what I wanted to do. And uh, Camp Attitude, Oregon, just the coolest place, log cabins. And uh, it, it was built from a team, and I had the dream. So that's where the teamwork, dreamwork thing comes from. Well, and then which leads to number six, which, you know, that dream rolls us into a plan. You've got to, there's a plan involved in your life. There's a plan involved for tomorrow. Uh, 
you you wrote down on your website develop a plan of action your own map how to get from a the starting point to b the goal yeah notice i didn't say a to z because i'm an a to z guy my personality <laughs> is like yeah let's do it let's go and i'm like People are like, well, how are you going to pull it off? Have you even thought this through? Nope, let's go. And so I need the A, B, C, D people in my life. Oh, preach it, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I say A to B because if you can start with A, you know, an attitude, and then B, a, a belief about something, that you can do it with the help of others and God then you can move forward with the help of others and God to fulfill whatever it is you're dreaming of. And uh, we're not getting younger. No. (laughs) And the last thing you want to do, and I have asked God, I don't want to lay on my deathbed and wish I would have had done what I dreamed of doing. Well, that you know what—that's that's huge. I don't want to lift, be on my deathbed wishing I would have, you know, or I don't want to be on my dead deathbed with potential left over or with capacity not reached. All those work. That's the greatest yeah. tragedy. That's huge tragedy in life. But look at us now. If you ask, man, I don't know. It would be nice to hear from some of your listeners. But uh, ask. I want to know the question. Do you have a dream? that you have not began and when are you going to start when when is it the right day kind of like the, my friend's friends oh when we get it all together we're going to have kids i'm like well, better just give that up yeah when i get when i get when i get have enough money i'll get married when i when i retire i'll do things i've always loved to do screw that man do it now yeah, you know what that sounds like? Most of the people that sit in, my, in the wheelchairs that I know say, when I get better, I will do this. And, you know, the hope is always there that, you know, maybe technology, science might get me up walking again. That would be really cool. But I'd lose my gig. I'd have to start a new gig. <laughs> get a new job. So I'm not sure I want to start over, Lord. And if the Lord chooses to leave me paralyzed. As hard as it is, I mean, just wake up tomorrow morning and, and lay there glued to the bed and let your wife dress you and see how easy that is. Mm. And don't get kinky over it. I'm just talking about. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. I'm going, mm, like, that would be a tough deal. Mm. That would yeah, be. Yeah, they, they, they would limit your food. And you want not people to limit how, you know, you take care of yourself, right? That's your freedom. That may be the greatest tragedy of all, having that one, that third piece of pizza, nobody to give it to you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, Ron, last one you have on your list is persistence. Whatever it costs, never give up on yourself, others, or your dream. Go for the gold. Fly like an eagle. Rise above your challenges. Man, I love it. Awesome. Well, I think that that's wraps it up all together. And, just if your audience would have prayed uh, with me for me, you know, I, the struggles I face, I'm trying to be a good father to a teenage daughter, and I just feel like I'm dealing with an alien sometimes. But I need, <laughs> <laughs> and, and me being a man, I told my daughter the other day, I said, okay, I'm not a real good communicator, okay? And I don't really know what it's like to be a 13 year old girl. It's like I have no clue how to be a girl at all. 
<laughs> so what you're going to have to do is educate your dad. Because my goal is to have a relationship with you. And if I'm a bonehead, then you probably should tell me about it. Because I'd rather communicate than not. And I said, <laughs> you're not going to get rid of me. And you're going to learn how to have a stable relationship. It's too easy to ditch your friends with your little text messaging and stuff like that. Yep. But you're not going to get rid of your dad. And I'm determined to take care of you until I hand you off. And I'm not going to give you to somebody that doesn't value you. I am the one that will value you. And I want to, and to value you means I will understand you. So teach me how to be a better dad. That's good stuff, I don't know, man. I don't know where that came from, but it was like a little, <laughs> one of the things one of the things I've learned lately. Uh, but that man, she can good. work me. She can work me. She, <laughs> I, she came up and Dad, I'm gonna go to the pet thing, and I'm like, don't come back with no pets. Just go look. She comes up. I'm in the van. I'm hiding. I was actually hiding. She came into the van and she goes, Dad. I'm like, no. Found a puppy. She goes, look at this picture. <laughs> This kitty, look, she has a disability. She doesn't have any feet, and I need to know the daughter. I love her. I already <laughs> made her. And nobody's going to adopt her because she's got a disability. Dad, you know I lo love things with disabilities. Oh, like, manipulator. Oh, my God. Right now, I need an answer. And he goes, pray about it. I said, okay, I'll tell you what, honey. We don't need another. We got six cats. Oh. Uh, let's pray together and ask that somebody will adopt this cat and really love it like you love your cats. And then, okay, let's pray about it. And I'll tell you what, this will make you have, I will make sure they don't euthanize the cat. I will actually, we will check and see. And if she doesn't get adopted, you can get the cat. So we prayed, man. We prayed hard for this kitty and it was great. And she called like three days later, and then she just starts crying. Oh, I'm like, what? <laughs> somebody adopted the kid. Somebody adopted. <laughs> and I already named her, and I had a little collar picked out for her, and I just love her. Sounds like one of Dale's daughters. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not naming which one. Uh, you know what I mean? Oh, I have sons, but Dale knows what you mean. <laughs> Yep. You oh, do? Oh, oh I wonder what that's like. Oh, man. Hey, Ron, one last question for you, man. Here at sure. the Man Card Podcast, our men in the arena, we define manhood as five things. Protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. Which of these five things stands out the most to you personally and why? Finishing strong. Because, hmm. you know, the older you are... You slow down a little bit, and max. Mm -hmm. I was told that I would live probably 15 years max, and so I'm like doubled that, which praise wow. God because it wasn't, you know. Yeah, I'm in 2020. I'll be 40 years sitting. You know, my bladder's got to be catheterized, and you can imagine all those little things we take for granted. Wow. And so it's just not letting all the circumstances around me. Uh, slow me down to where I don't feel uh, and I may be wrong you know I may still finish strong even though I feel weak maybe that's the answer you know mm -hmm. you can finish strong in, in weakness well I think that I think that's the only way you finish strong is in weakness because otherwise everybody would do it 
And so, no, I appreciate well, there you that. Go. I appreciate the wisdom there, man. And I'll tell you what, it's been really fun to interview a man on my podcast. So thank you, sir, for taking the time. How can our people reach out to you uh, if they want to book you for an event or if they want to ask you questions? you have a website they can get to? Yes, absolutely. My, I have an uh, email, Hagee Office. That's uh, my last name, H-E-A-G-Y Office at gmail.com if they're interested in anything. Uh, also, look at my art. I think it's really cool and inspiring. If you're feeling down, put it you know, in your office. Get a little print for a few bucks. It supports what I do. Um, you can buy my autobiography. I guarantee you'll you'll enjoy that. I wrote short chapters for dumb guys like me that don't <laughs> like to read them. <laughs> oh, preach it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, my, and my website is, you know, roll on, run, not roll off, not roll back, <laughs> roll on, run. Sometimes I get the kids chanting that in the, in the school assembly. Somebody say, roll on, roll on. Somebody say, roll on, run, roll on, run. Somebody say, roll on, run.com. And then they figure out they just got trapped. <laughs> you just nailed them. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for uh Coming on our show, we're out of time. Actually, we've gone a little bit over, but it's been worth it, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. And uh, Thanks, we sir. just uh, continue to pray for your finishing strong and that you keep fighting the fight. And, uh, man, you've been an inspiration to us all. So thank you so much. Thank you, guys. You guys are great. Hey, guys, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. We want to help you change your world. And we realize it's the toughest thing you'll ever do, but we want to help you along by just taking this one simple step. Go and enlist in the men in the arena army. Download the free app. Uh, subscribe to the Man Card Podcast and join the Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men where we have a continuous conversation about what a man is and does. So guys, help us in joining an army and building an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And... This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join the thousands of men around the country on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called The Man Card Weekend with The Men in the Arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of Jim's new book, The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. This is the best book out there that defines what a man is and does. In it, Jim combines his master storytelling abilities with his no-holds-barred style, distinguishing between men and boys. If you want to keep your man card, then pick up a copy of this life-changing book today. Simply go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to this episode, the Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man.
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.